Washington football. Woo! Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Burgundy Zone. I am your host, Kyle, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Reed. Hall is not going to be joining us this evening. He is sick. But let's get this on a good note. The Burgundy Zone is a part of the Frederick Podcast Network. You can find out more by going to www.listafrederick.com. And now we are rejoined by Ultra Commander fan, huge mind in the world of scouting, Mr. Ryan Fowler of the Draft Network and Command the Huddle Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this very rainy Thursday evening, sir. How are you doing? Yeah, of course. Appreciate you guys always having me on. Yes, sir. And I, first question I have for you, Sam Howell. It's been a topic of conversation, obviously, around this team. Um, the commanders, when they're talking to offensive coordinators about potentially bringing them on, they're telling them Sam Howell is the quarterback one going into next season. So my question to you, obviously looking at the draft, and you have a lot of knowledge in that capacity, what, Sam Howell's progression from his senior year at and UNC and into that Week 18 game against Dallas. Yeah, I think you can go back further to what he was in 2020. All the NFL talents around him, Javante Williams, Michael Carter, Daz Newsom, De'Ami Brown. And then you go into 2021, all those guys are, are gone, right? And then above, and a below average offensive line. And he was able to tailor his game to where he involved his lower half more. And, you know, for Sam, the biggest thing for me is he wins between the ears for me before he ever tries to win with his arm and before he ever tries to win with his legs. He wins here. And the biggest thing with that is you look at him in, in Carolina and that Phil Longo offense and they, they stretch teams horizontally. And they also stretch teams vertically. And you look at how, how we can succeed in the NFL level and in Washington and the weapons that we have and a potential offensive coordinator to come in. Hopefully they get a guy in the building that is able to accentuate that, those skill sets. Sam Howell is someone that consistently – and it just shows me a guy that's consistently improving. I watch him at the Senior Bowl. Day one at the Senior Bowl, come out and have a little bit of nerves, try to make every single throw. Right As a quarterback going down to those pre-draft events, which we're getting into now, you don't want to hurt your stock at those events. Now, he didn't. But sometimes that first few days, he was trying to push so many throws in those tight, tight windows mm. to show up that arm strength. Next few days, he tapered it back and looked good in the game. Washington takes him in the fifth round, a ton of value. Doesn't play all year. And that's what we expected, right? We expected him to see with an earpiece on and a clipboard, T-shirt and shorts all year long. But he learned and would show me how to be a professional behind Taylor Heineke and Carson Wentz. And you come into week 18, and Dallas just wasn't running pre-vet all day long. Dan Quinn, that's not how he rolls, right? He right. attacks offenses as a rookie as a rookie quarterback thrown in the fire of week 18 wasn't perfect only had 11 completions at that game wasn't perfect right but showed me that he prepared when the lights are off when the cameras are off how he could prepare himself to, to best be in position to win and succeed first pass Terry McLaurin athletes in space crossing out over the middle of the field simple and sometimes that's all it takes and I just Sam's <laughs> really impressed me just into this year we haven't seen him a ton but from Carolina in 2020 who he was in 2021, and the little glimpse that we saw in Week 18, I'm really excited for him moving into 2023. So I'm guessing you're okay with him being the starter, and you don't want them to go after a bigger-name quarterback, would you? Sam Howell is my guy. He's my guy. I think he should be QB1 moving forward. Develop a guy. He's got yeah. plenty of talent. Work with the kid. Yeah, it just you can't sell this fan base on, on getting another veteran quarterback in there. And I mean, you talked about how important the senior bowl is. I mean, look at Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett went down there last year. He commanded the huddle. He did a good job. Guys kind of rallied around him at practices. Malik Willis was streaky, and you kind of saw that with the drafting of some of these guys. So I, I think that's huge. And Brian Robinson is another player who I saw a YouTube video when he was coming out. It said the most disrespected Alabama running back of all time. And then Brian Robinson comes out there and he does fantastic. What did you see from Brian Robinson going into the draft? And then what did you see from him this season? Really impressive, you know, and and I think you're exactly right as far as the disrespect with him. He was, he was, looked, I remember someone made a comparison in the Burgundy and Gold world, don't remember who, that compared Brian Robinson to Peyton Barber. And I almost right. threw up. I almost threw up watching Brian succeed in the years that he did at Alabama because he worked his way up. He didn't transfer. He worked his way up the depth chart and took care of the football in the SEC and was a road grader in between the tackles, what we saw this year, but has a little bit of juice that really we haven't really seen too, too much in early portions of this year when he came back from what he did this offseason. And I remember one the main thing with Brian Robinson this offseason, they're running one-on-one -on -one reps in pass pro, and he had Channing Tindall coming through the A-gap, and he absolutely blew Channing Tindall's face off in pass pro in Mobile. And right then and there, blocking is all about effort. All about effort. And you're 6'2", 225 pounds, you better not play small. 
And Brian Robinson doesn't play small at all. Right. He plays to his strengths. He's, I think he's just a heck of a talent. He's one of the best young running backs in football. Again, another with offensive coordinator. I hope we get a guy in the building that accentuates his skill sets as well. Feed him the football a little bit more than what we saw in certain situations yeah. with Scott Turner. But Brian Robinson was extremely impressive. On my board, he was RB1 heading into the draft, ahead of Kenneth Walker, ahead of the Brees Halls wow. of the world, Damian Pierce's. He was my RB1. We loved him at TDN. And I, I'm really happy from what he came back from this year. Yeah, is unbelievable, and I'm really happy that you know he would have he would eclipse a thousand yards if he was fully healthy oh, yeah. easily. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's funny you touch on it. The two best they're considered the two best run blockers last year, or I'm sorry, pass blockers was uh was the Damian Pierce and Brian Robinson for what they yeah. did pretty much at the Senior Bowl. So these games, man, this Senior Bowl is important. Yeah, he was legit in that aspect and actually showed uh, some promise there because obviously last two seasons ago when they lost J.D. McKissick, the pass protection broke down from that running back standpoint. They needed somebody, and Brian Robinson obviously helped in that capacity. Now, to move on, my next question for you, Chris Paul got the start in Week 18, and that's another guy that if we're looking forward in the future, offensive line is going to be something that Washington has to invest a lot into. What did you see from Chris Paul in Week 18, and what should we expect going forward? I was happy for Chris Paul. He looked like somebody that brought his lunch pail to work. And he's not the most athletic guy within the interior. And watching him out of Tulsa, someone with extremely a strong lower half and always quick to engage with his hands. And that was the biggest thing. He had good length within the interior. And rarely was he ever knocked off his spot and jolted back. And then he had to re-anchor. But when he did have to at times, he had the ability to stick those feet in the dirt, dig his cleats in the ground, and set up. And I thought he did that well in week 18 because I was I was happy that Ron allowed some younger guys to play. We saw Kalik Hudson at the second level. Yep. But for Chris to work against a veteran defensive line and a defensive line in Dallas that does a lot of different things as far as where they align and stunts and twists, I thought Chris Paul did a great job. I don't think we'll ever see Sadiq Charles in the Burgundy Gold again because that's been a failed experiment. Yeah. I know you guys remember when we drafted him out of LSU, he was supposed to be the Trent Williams replacement. Yep. At left right. tackle. I tried telling so, people, Ryan, I tried telling them they didn't want to listen. You know, so he hasn't worked out at guard. He's got extremely heavy feet. He moves like an office chair on carpet. It's not going to work. So a guy like Chris Paul that can be that swing guard potentially next year, it's a good option to have, and you always need depth in the, with the big boys. Right. Yeah, and it's funny uh, talking about the offensive line before we came on here literally just about an hour ago. I didn't know you were coming on and I was just reading your article on the Draft Network, which is a fantastic article by the way, Commanders fans. Go read it because if you want to look up what's going on in Mobile, you think the offensive line's a pretty big uh, topic of discussion this offseason. You got all those prospects in there. Who is some we, everybody wants to talk about offensive tackle. We know that that's probably going to be a high pick, but who are some center? I really think that there's a chance that they could walk away from Chase Roulier. Even if they don't, the dude's missed basically the last two seasons. Who are some center prospects that the Washington Commanders could be looking at? That it's yeah, gonna be I have two. Board? Yeah, I have two off the top of my list, and they'll both be down in Mobile. The first one is John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota. Yeah. Nothing crazy sexy, but just a corn-fed, yeah. want to get after you in the run game, stable defenders to the dirt, and he will be a decade or more long starter in the NFL. So he's from Minnesota. He's going to dominate one-on-ones, and I don't think – I really don't think any defensive tackle will be able to knock him off his spot in one-on-ones. Right. He's absolutely fantastic. And then a second one, a guy that you'll be able to grab probably late day two, maybe early day three, see how he does in Mobile, he'll rise, is Jarrett Patterson. We already have a yeah. Jarrett Patterson he's in D.C. Center out of Notre Dame. Played yeah. guard this year. Super solid. Excellent. Over 1,600 reps in pass pro, not a single sack. You look back over the last 10 years, the Golden Domers, the enter the NFL from Notre Dame, Zach Martin, Quentin Nelson, yeah. Mike McClinchy, Ronnie Stanley. The names go on and on and on. And Jarrett Patterson with that guard center versatility, the best ability is availability. Chase Rulia, you're not in the field. I get a guy like that that has experience in anchoring a front five like Notre Dame, playing high-level opponents every week. I'd be interested if I was Martin Mayhew. Yeah. And now let's kind of talk about this draft coming up in the first round. Because I heard a lot of people speculate, you know, Skaronsky, um, or possibly somebody like Paris Johnson Jr., uh, offensive line heavy in that, in that first round. Depending on how you look at that first round, what do you think the talent lies? Where, where do you think Washington should go with the 16th pick? It's interesting, really, because at tackle, you're, you're, tackle, you're top heavy. You got your Paris Johnsons. You mentioned Peter Skaronsky. Who's going to play guard? In the NFL, right. he's kind of built That's like a T-Rex, extremely yeah. short right. arms. Yep. A lot like Matthew Bergeron as well from Syracuse, yeah. really short arms as well. So he's most likely going to play guard from the individuals I spoke to around the league. But you got your Broderick Jones from Georgia, really, really athletic kid, may, possibly the most athletic 
guy in this class. Dewan Jones, a, a dude that's just the size of a small townhome, if you will. <laughs> Massive individual from Ohio State and actually a really good kid. Almost like a big teddy bear, if you will. Mm. Extremely good individual that would fit in this locker room. But my focus, especially as we move forward towards as far as the tackle-wise, I'll get to, to corners in a second. I'm really excited about the corners class. Darnell Wright, tackle from Tennessee. Yeah. Played at left tackle. Played at right tackle. You watch him against Will Anderson from Alabama. You watch him against BJ Ojolari from LSU. The dude can flat out move and just puts people and just stymies them, puts them in the dirt. And I love it. Yeah. You said Everything TCU? Is, excuse me? Tennessee. 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 Yeah. Tennessee. He's absolutely fantastic. And he, I mean, I'm, there's multiple times where you'll see him have a rep and the guard will fall behind him. He'll jump over the guard and spin. The athleticism that he has for a man of that size. Everything looks extremely smooth. He reminds me a little bit of Sam Cosme at Texas. I think he's a better athlete and a better tackle overall right. than Sam Cosme. But as far as that second round bucket, Darnell Wright. But overall, right now, where I'm focused on for, for Washington in the first round, corners. You got some flat-out dogs. Cam Smith from South Carolina, Christian Gonzalez from Oregon, Joey Porter Jr. and his 34-inch arms from Penn State. There, there are flat-out alphas. In this corner class, if you're at 16, most likely three of those guys, four of those guys' names are all going to be there. Now, if you want to sit back and kind of grab a guy moving into round two, you're Clark Phillips from Utah. Not the biggest guy in the world, but I think he's going to be able to play on the outside. He's you're a DJ, dog. Yeah. He, flat out dog. Mm -hmm. DJ Turner from Michigan. Garrett Williams is interesting. He tours ACL at Syracuse. I think he's a heck of a player. Emmanuel Forbes, Mississippi State, a ball hawk on the outside. The corners class is extremely deep. The edge class is even deeper. I obviously don't think that's a spot where Washington's going to go. But yeah, tackle corner, linebacker's also a spot. Trenton Simpson's of the world, Drew Sanders. Moving to day two, your Owen Peppos from Auburn. DeMarvian Overshone from Texas. All these names kind of are going to be in the head of Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera as they move forward towards April. But for me, at 16 right now, if Washington wants to stay there, it's, it's tackle and it's corner. Or if they want to grab potentially a John Michael Schmitz, they move back later in that round. So right. lots of names. Yeah, and it's going to be tough, too, with the, the tackles because, I mean, you mentioned, I mean, after Olu Fashanu from Penn State went back to school, then it's kind of like, all right, that pushes Paris or Paris Johnson up, Peter Skaronsky, if he gets drafted tackle, whatever. Yeah. They're going to be moved up, so they're probably not going to be there. So you're looking at, like you said, Broderick Jones, uh, what's-his-face from uh, Oklahoma. I never get the kid's name. He's, he's another interesting kid. But what – this tight end class is another position in need that people have been talking about. Who are some guys I, I wouldn't expect Washington to go in early on, on, you know, Michael Mayer on day one, but maybe day two, day three. Who's a couple of guys that you could see them possibly taking a flyer on? Yeah, I love tight ends. And it just disappoints me because we've so drafted tight ends I know. <laughs> on day three. Yeah, and John Bates and Cole Turner, just especially with Cole, he was in Mobile last year. And seeing him live last year, he just he turned like a catamaran. And I was worried about his potential ceiling at the NFL level in the passing game. And we didn't get much from any of those guys this year at all. I thought Logan was going to play well with Carson Wentz. Yeah. It just didn't work out, obviously. And now moving to that day two bucket, especially your Dalton Kincaid from Utah, I think maybe yeah. the best tight end of this class in five years. Mm. Tucker Kraft from San Diego State is an elite All athlete. the tools, yeah. Yes, Missouri Valley Conference. So it's going to be interesting to see him in against higher level competition. Um, my eyes kind of focus on a guy as Luke Musgrave from Oregon State. So good. He's going to be down at the Senior Bowl. He can flat out run. And he is a modern day F tight end where you can move him all around the offense. And another name is Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan. The league is higher on him than kind of the media is. But he's a guy that's going to be at the Shrine Bowl and he's going to stand out. And I watched him last night, did a film dive into him and Darnell Washington as well, big boy mm -hmm. from Georgia. But Luke Schoonmaker, I think, is going to rise in this process as someone that can do it all. Not an elite athlete but can do it all block really well and then be that F and be that Y attached to the line of scrimmage. So there's just, there's a ton of names. I even so many different about, flavors. So many, yeah, everybody just, does. I, I so, yeah. It's interesting. Right. It's going to be really it's just, cool. There's a lot of names. A lot, yeah. there's, it's a deep class. It hey really, Ryan, do you think uh, Darnell Washington has the tools to translate to the NFL? I do. I do. I think he was underutilized. Obviously, that's, that was the main thing with him at, at that at tight Georgia end room was loaded. Brock Bowers and God. you wouldn't even talk about it, but they also had a five. Eric Gilbert and uh, yeah, right. God right. damn, they had so many people. Yeah, they were loaded. But I, I like Darnell a lot. He is a he's probably the best blocking tight end in this class. Yep. Um, outside of Brevin Spam Ford, who was at Minnesota, but he actually went back to school. He was a better blocking tight end than Darnell. I thought in my mind. Um, but another name for you guys as far as later in the draft is Braden Willis from Oklahoma, who played that H-back. He also threw a touchdown 
um, mm. against Nebraska in week three. He can do a lot. And it depends, again, offensive coordinator you want in town. But if it is a guy like Greg Roman and you you align sometimes with three, four guys in the backfield and you want some uh, guys that can do some different things for you as an F, a Y, and an H, Braden Willis flat out gets after people as a blocker and can create ran some wildcat as well at Oklahoma. So that's a name to keep an eye on as well as we move into day three. Absolutely. Love to hear that. Yeah. Now to wrap this up, uh, Ryan, I only have a couple more questions for you. But obviously, you kind of alluded to it already. Greg Roman um, was, they separated ways between him and Baltimore. So obviously, he is available. That's 10 teams altogether that are looking for offensive coordinators in the league. For Washington, what do you think they should go after for offensive coordinator? I think the one idea I've heard is having Greg Roman come in as offensive coordinator and then Byron Leftwich as the passing game coordinator. Obviously, it's a pipe dream because who would really want to come here? But I, what do you think of the, who should be the OC? What do you want to see? Yeah, my focus has been on Brian Johnson, quarterbacks coach from the Eagles. Uh, and the reason why I say that is because his ability had been there the last few years. And I look at Philly's core guys, athletes that they have. And I look at Washington and you look at Jalen Hurts and how he's improved as a young dual threat talent. You got three by three guys in the backfield, Boston Scott, Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell. You got the same thing in Washington. They like to run some 12 personnel with multiple tight ends. You got that in Washington. Now, you don't have the same front five, and then you move out to the perimeter, and you got A.J. Brown and yep. Devonta Smith, and you got Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson, and then Curtis Samuel. They have their Quez Watkins and Curtis. And Zach Pascal, there's your Jami Brown. So a lot of that kind of translates, and they're very parallel. So Brian Johnson, for me, has experience in the SEC as well. Eagles quarterback coach, that's a guy that I would love to see get an interview and kind of move up the ranks. But we will see as far as who they get. I mean, Ken Zampese is the only one that has experience with Sam Howell. No other guy can say that. But my biggest thing, fellas, is the whole two-to-one run-to-pass ratio. I get it, but this is not 1950 Syracuse. Right. This is not the Navy or Georgia Tech triple option days. This is 2023. Why not? And you look at the rest of the eight teams in the playoffs, they're all offensive-minded head coaches that are able to consistently elevate and, and modify their schemes to who they're facing. You didn't pay Terry McLaurin. You didn't draft Jahan Dotson on day one. You didn't pay Curtis Samuel handsomely. And you didn't draft Yami Brown on day two to look cute in uniform. You want to lift the performance ceiling of this offense, get a guy in the building that's able to accentuate all those skill sets. Yeah. It's easier said than done, I would imagine, because it's, right. it's a very right. sad situation. I would also, I looked at him too, because he sounds perfect. I would imagine, would you think that he was probably going to get elevated? Yeah, who doesn't? Isn't there like offensive? BJ? Isn't there, isn't there offensive coordinator supposed to be getting a possible head coaching gig? So if he correct. leaves, damn. Yeah, correct. Yeah, Hugh Steichen's been doing, he did, he's done a hell of a job. With yeah. So if, I would expect that he might get a promotion with the Eagles. But so it's weird sometimes organizations That's, have their rules yeah. where they don't hire with from within. You know, yeah. they always want to go exterior. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. and most likely we'll uh, yeah. promote from within. But next question for you. Deron Payne uh, obviously got the nod today going to the Pro Bowl and replacing an Aaron Donald, which is huge. Regarding Deron Payne with Washington, do you think that they can make it work with Deron, and do you want Deron Payne to stay here? I would love for Deron Payne to be back. I just, when they drafted Phil Mathis in the second round, that told me a lot about the potential future of Deron. Now, he played his tail off in a contract year, and he deserves all the money in the world, and I think John Allen wants him back. I think those are two dogs and really two brothers. I mean, when they fought on the sideline last year, you know, that seems like a long time ago. Those are brothers. They are, until the end of time, right? And I would love, I would love to see 93 and 94 back next year, but they obviously have expectations after taking Phil Mathis. And you saw John Ridgeway come in and provide a ton of depth yeah. too as an interior D lineman. I want him back. It just depends on how much they're going to pay him and what he actually wants. Um, I will say I talked to Duran's agent yesterday. I got absolutely nothing Damn. from him. His agent is Joel Segal, who's been in the in the league for 30 plus years. Very strict, very kind of down to business. It doesn't really open up too much. Love Joel, but I haven't heard anything as far as progressions with Deron and the contract extension, but I would love to see him back in 94 next year. Yeah, man, I was really hoping he gave you a little bit of something that would be. Mm -hmm. I was trying. I was trying. Joel, Joel's a great guy, but he's very. He's a steel trap. A very, yeah. yeah hey, he's he's yeah. not going to screw up that money for Deron. No, he knows what he's no. doing. Last question for he's, you. He saw I, that punch on the sidelines. He yeah, yeah, he doesn't want to be on the receiving <laughs> end of that. No, yeah. This next, last question I have for you, you know, going back to this team, not looking at the future so much, Jahan Dotson. Uh, coming from college into the pros, seven touchdowns, 700 yards receiving, obviously with the different quarterbacks in there. Talk to us about Jahan. What did you see, and what do you think in the future? 
I love what I saw from Jahan Dotson this year and his ability to separate. You watch him at Penn State, and the biggest thing for me, the biggest game that sold me on him was watching him against Michigan State in the snow. If you can separate yeah. and run routes, routes in the snow, you can run routes anywhere. I don't care if you're on mm. turf, show turf, cement. I don't give a crap. Jahan Dotson, there, well, I don't think there's going to be a corner in the NFL two, three years down the road that can hold this guy one-on-one. And now you look back to last year, they brought in Curtis and Diami to take the attention off Terry. You get a guy like Jahan moving back in that first round last year, just fantastic. And now you have a wide receiver one and a wide receiver one A with him and Terry, two core pillars of your offense. I absolutely love Jahan Dotson, what he did this year. I wanted to see a full 17-game slate out of him. Let's hope for that next year and staying healthy. But him with Terry and Sam potentially in this offense, and you're handed off to Brian Robinson, how could you not be excited? And you watch Jahan this year, just so smooth. He's 5'11". You can call him six foot if you want. He's 5'11". Plays like he's 6'4", plays big and alpha in the air, and just love his ability to separate and tempo his routes at every single level of the defense. I thought he was absolutely fantastic and nothing short of superb. Yeah, I thought that he should have gotten a lot more respect in regards to the offensive rookie of the year uh, in that breath. Ryan, I can't thank you enough for joining us, brother. Before we get out of here, would you like to plug your social media handle and your podcast, just in case anybody watching hasn't followed you yet and would like to? Of course, on Twitter, you can shoot me a follow if you don't already, underscore Ryan Fowler. And then my podcast comes out every Monday. It's Commanding the Huddle on Apple, Podca- Apple Podcasts, excuse me, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us at Commanding the Huddle. I appreciate you. Yes. Then uh, keep letting me know whenever I post a film breakdown. Let me know when I'm wrong. Appreciate you, Ryan. <laughs> Always. Thanks, Have guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. All right. All right, everybody. We just spoke with the man, Mr. Ryan Fowler. I love having Ryan Fowler on. Just, I'm so such a nerd when it comes to draft prospects and stuff. And we like, know. I'm not. No, but like, well, it's just because I like looking at hot dudes that are strong. Um, <laughs> and he's just always so everybody that he mentions, I just always get so excited. I'm always like, yes, yeah, come on, feed me more. I need more of this. Keep feeding it to me, my son. Can you not repeat those words ever again? Yeah, no, but also I just wanted to say shout out. This is a Sunny D. This is not to be confused with um Tom Brady's orange juice, which is called Sun's D. So it's a little different. <laughs> You're going with the Tom Brady joke again. I love it, dude. Uh, that was a, a riot. Grow up. We're not in high school. Right. We're not in high school anymore. Grow uh, up. I want to get your opinion. I'm here for serious news. I want to get your opinion on the offensive coordinator uh, position and what we're going on here. Because we do have fan questions, and we're going to be joined by our next guest here very, very soon in Coach Greg Curl. So I kind of wanted to see where you think what's going on with this offensive coordinator position. Because to be honest, this is such a, a bad situation because of the ownership in particular yeah. that it, it makes it such an undesirable destination to the point where the only people that would be willing to come here are the ones that nobody would want. Yeah, it's it's going to take a young coordinator or a, a young uh, position coach or something who thinks that, hey, I got a lot I can prove and I can do it in one season because you also got to think, what are, is Ron going to be here after the next season? I mean, right. We would imagine so, but the, the around the league, that's not the opinion. I, I mean, a lot of people, why would you want to just go somewhere for one year? They don't have a franchise quarterback that you know of, fail, and then you're just ruined. You got to take a step back. You got to wait five more years before you get this opportunity again, you know? So it's going to be tough. That's why I think, like, originally when everybody was like, oh, Eric Bieniemy, uh, you know, let's bring in Daryl Bevel. Let's bring it, like, it's just it was sounded good on paper, but it's just not reality right now. And uh, it's going to, maybe we get lucky. Maybe we get somebody who can come out there and is young. Who's just on fire and willing to prove themselves and does a masterful job with Sam Howell and all the weapons that we have, because it should be an attractive gig, but the whole situation about job security, that's a uh, kind of important. So, yeah, I heard uh, Benjamin Albright was on big Doug's show and he had said Shout that big Doug. he had heard rumbling that Benjamin Albright had heard rumblings that, Eric Bieniemy is possibly going to be linked here to Washington. They're just waiting it out until he's out of the playoffs to be able to make that move. And I, I understand that because, like, with Eric Bieniemy, he kind of has to almost, like, prove himself in a way, which yeah. is very weird. So much because, has come out over the last three right, years Typically, so. Andy Reid's coaching staff, they don't need yeah. to really prove it themselves, honestly. And th- that's why it kind of makes sense for Eric Bieniemy to come here because this would be the one place where Eric Bieniemy would get a lot of respect if he came here and he turned around an offense yeah. that was yeah. bottom league in almost every offensive statistical category. But now we are joined by our next guest, Mr. Coach Greg Curl. How you doing there tonight, brother? Hey, what's up, fellas? Glad to be here. You know, I'm always happy to be with you guys. My mm. man. I'm hey, I feel I- the same way about you. Greg, I'm always <laughs> happy to be with you. And it's unfortunate that Hall couldn't be here because I know Hall would uh would have really appreciated to be able to talk with you, sir. But you know, I had I had to rock the cam jersey for the I see that. Too. I just represent, bro. Oh, I man. see that. That, I that is to. like the best 
looking jersey too in the black. Like oh, for yeah. some whatever reason, the three and the one that Cam has just looks so clean in Man. there. It looks I so it. good. I, I got two in the closet. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm in one too. And he's still wait, and he's still waiting for Cam to sign it. <laughs> a, I forgot about true. that. True, that's true. That's a, <laughs> uh, but coach, uh, before we get uh, started with our fan questions and everything <coughs> like that, you had tweeted the other day something that was very uh, close and special to you. Uh, something about Muskegee and Oklahoma, where you, uh, Cam went to high school. If you kind of want to elaborate on that, they did something for Cam in remembrance. Well, uh, uh. They just built a brand new football stadium and basketball arena. I'm talking state of art. The facilities is nice, but in the basketball arena, they they just they just painted this mural and they just took some pictures from high school, and they had a couple of pictures of Cam up there. You know when he was running track and then in his football uniform, and uh, one of the guys that did it said they tried to uh, digitize the faces so they wouldn't recognize, but <laughs> everybody was recognizing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard not to see Cam yeah. and know who Cam is. But coach, this next question that I have for you, this is from the Colonel, and he says this is kind of an awkward question. Taylor Heineke, Taylor Heineke is clearly a fan favorite. How much impact does hiring a new offensive coordinator have on his potential future with our team? Sam Howell has been named starter and is clearly part of the quarterback stable for at least the extent of his rookie contract. With the firing of Scott Turner, may that new OC want to go in a different direction for Howell's backup? It's a strong possibility. I mean, uh, especially we don't really know who who that guy is, and right. you know, because uh, he's gonna come in with his own style. He's gonna come in with his own game plan, and every and we don't know if you know Taylor Heineke fits in that game plan or not. I mean, but he is a fan favorite. I mean, heck, I I, I wouldn't be surprised if the players would just say, "Hey, just keep him around," you know. <laughs> Yeah. Just because he motivates, man, and he gets along with everybody. I haven't heard one player say anything closely to being negative about Taylor, you know, right. about his leadership, about how he, you know, congratulates and hypes, hype up everyone else. I mean, he's a guy you want in your locker room, I tell you that. It's I have the exact opposite, honestly. Sorry, I have a, I, I have a it's question. It's like weird how much they all like him. Like, hey, right. this dude must be this is the coolest guy in the world, apparently. Yeah, I have a question yeah. for you, Coach. Obviously, you don't like firsthand knowledge because you don't talk to Cam every day. But just be, you being a coach, seeing how these things kind of work, I heard it was speculated that possibly that Coach Rivera had lost the locker room by going to Carson Wentz in that, in that Cleveland Browns game. Do you feel that would be the case? It, I, I can see how it would look like that just – especially be, right before he made that decision on how uh, it, the team was speaking on, you know, Heineke and, and having Heineke there. So, you know, for him to make that decision and then for him to <laughs> switch up so fast, you know, mm-hmm. hey, I mean, he kind of gave himself away, you know. <laughs> true. You're absolutely right about that. All right, I'm glad that you said yeah. that. I just want I wanted to hear something about it because all these rumblings, it didn't really make sense to me. Um, but honestly, Colonel, I think the the OC is such a weird situation because of all the politics involved, right? Because let's say a new owner is dialed in. Are they going to want to know who the new OC is going to be? Are they going to want to have a voice in that? And that, that's going to create a whole log jam of issues, which is ultimately what I think we're facing. But... I think Ron Rivera is probably going to have the final decision on who's going to be that backup quarterback. And I ultimately feel like he's going to make the best decision for the team. And that being said, I wouldn't mind it being Taylor, given the fact that the two quarterbacks, Sam Howell and him, are, have the same similar in height, right? And so yeah. you, it's, not, it's not like Carson and Taylor where you're completely changing the offense between the two. Obviously, Taylor is limited to an extent, but it's, it, you're a similar quarterback, and I think that would probably be a smart way to go about it. Yeah, yeah. to me, I, I, I saw a lot of similarities in, in them, in their leadership, the way they – I mean, they are go-after-it type guys. You know, the, those are guys you love to hi- have because when, when the other teams see how hard those guys are going, it, may, it motivates them. You know, the only difference I really see right now is just, you know, how – has a little strong arm. He can get that yep. ball down the field, no problem. That ball comes out quick out of Sam Howell's arm. Yeah, I won't say when that. we saw I him love... at training camp, I said, I was like, you know, he stands 5'10", but he throws the ball like he's 6'5". It's right. crazy seeing the ball zip out of his hand like that out of such a small person, you know? Like, yeah. And, obviously, uh, I'm a small person. Yeah, you know, we're the same size, Kyle, but... Kyle, you're literally 5'2". <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, with 
uh, Taylor coming back, I do think everybody would want him back. Uh, I do think he's perfect because, like you said, him and Sam Howell have kind of they developed a relationship, at least it seems like. Like, they're pretty close. They're good friends. And I think Sam would be a lot more comfortable knowing that Taylor's got his back to help him with stuff and everything will be all right. But uh, I also know that Taylor Heineke was brought in here because of Scott Turner. He's a Scott Turner guy. He was with him uh Carolina, Minnesota, all these places. So it'll be interesting to see if he does come back. I think he Taylor wants to be here for sure. Um, I don't think you can go to a new locker room and start all over. Like he's won these guys over. These are, this is his team. So uh, I think he would want to be back here. Yes. Yeah. And I screwed up Colonel. I'm, I apologize because uh, the orange crush asked a question comparing Sam Howell and Taylor Heineke to college and pros with the commanders and how they're similar. And I should have grouped them together, but I'm going to ask your other question first, and then we'll go to orange crushes. In, the tw- in 2022 NFL Draft, we swapped picks with the Saints. They moved up to take Chris Olave. We picked Jahan Dotson three picks later. We also received the third and fifth round picks. Obviously, Brian Robinson, Sam Howell, Cole Turner. And we still got a blue chip wide receiver and two quality starters for next year. Uh, Coach Curl, are there enough blue chip cornerbacks that we would try to do something similar this year? Or are, are we all in for the highest rated cornerback on the board? Man, uh... Heck, if we if uh, I go for the highest, I, I don't think we yeah. need a total rebuild. Because uh, we, we got some guys out there that got some talent. We saw, I mean, look at Ben St. Juice, you know. Yeah. Fuller, yeah. Fuller ain't no slouch. Fuller uh, played fantastic the last yeah. two months of the season. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of, a lot of our mistakes was communication and, and, uh, Continuity between the front and the back end. That's when we, that's and and but you saw whenever we gave up any big plays, it was just communication. You know, yeah. Somebody you know didn't communicate communicate it right. But I think we got some talent back there. If yeah. we can get one good guy, you know, I say a a top round draft pick, a, a nice guy, you know, that we can mold and help build that secondary back there. Yeah, I'm right there, there with go. you. Um, I, I understand why we'd want to trade back because then we have the possibility of adding more picks like we did last year, especially given the fact that we have a we lost a third rounder um in the Carson Wentz trade. But my whole thing is it depends like we don't know how the draft is gonna play out, right? And we don't also know where they view these prospects. They could have these other tackles, guards higher listed higher than their these cornerbacks are gonna be available. We have no idea what's gonna happen. That being said, of any of those top four cornerbacks, I would be happy with in the first round at 16. I wouldn't be complaining. I would absolutely love it. I think Joey Porter Jr. with his long arms is exactly what you kind of want yeah. out of a cornerback. Cam Curl is a great example of that uh, is what it can do for a, de- a defensive back. And so I would love one of those guys uh, to be able to come in here. I don't really care for who. I just want one of them, you know, because I do think looking in the future ahead, you can't guarantee that Kendall's going to be here in two years, obviously. And so looking at that corner room, it's already weak. And so you have to be able to invest heavily in it. No disrespect to Danny Johnson and company. I'm just, you know, looking at it from my perspective. Yeah. 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 And also, I mean, I do think that they would rather not rather, but I do think that they view the O-line as a bigger need right now. Just in like you're looking at, I mean, possibly Chase Royer, Charles Leno as cap casualties. That's two starters right there. And I mean, the offensive line already underperformed. So I think that they're going to try to build the offensive line. They'll probably take the best player available. Um, and I think that you can wait possibly for a corner day two, uh, get bring somebody in there and kind of bring them up slowly over the season. And then when Kendall ends up leaving, maybe they can take over. But corners at need for sure. You, you got it, and I would not be mad at all if they took a corner early in round one. Absolutely. And you saying that uh, show this. I wrote these down. Charles Leno, if he was cut before June first, it would be eight million in savings. Chase Rouillet would be four point three. Kendall Fuller would be eight and a half. I find that very hard to believe that that would happen. Yeah. Uh, Logan Thomas at five point one. Curtis Samuel at five point eight. And Carson Wentz, obviously the big one at twenty six million. I think it's fairly easy to. We're going to save so much money from ending Carson's career (laughs) we're going to have a lot of money to be able to invest and I do think that the health of the because everyone got on Ron Rivera for saying that the heat in the summer uh was one of the reasons why of the injuries and they're going to say the offensive line was bad because the heat in the summer and it's not that my big question was how come these injuries to the offensive line keep happening and in droves and so many of them we have to find out why in the last three years now where they just keep 
going through guys and, and going the one, through guys. One thing is everyone kept complaining about Trey Turner and Andrew Norwell, but the one thing I was concerned about in preseason was that they were injured in preseason. They weren't practicing. And if you go into the season injured, you're going to stay injured, and you're not going to play well, which is inevitably what happened. And so that's why I kind of felt bad for Ron Rivera. I understood what he was trying to say. But this next question I got for Co- Coach. This is from Orange Crush 92 in the Discord chat server. How do Howell and Heineke differ in play style based on college and NFL experience? In play style? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I, I like they, they style is a little similar to me. The only yeah. thing is, you know, uh, Howell would, would do the deep strikes. I mean, and I say, I mean, deep strikes. If you got the yeah. receiver to go down there and get it, that, that's the only only difference I see. But they both have that hard nose where, heck, if I don't have nobody to throw it to and I need that three yards, they go, they'll take a hit to get the three before they slide if they have to. You know, that's mm. just the type of guys they are. They they tough, you know, yeah, and yeah. it hypes the players up, man. I mean, a, example, when uh, one of the early games when they had Cam mic'd up, I think was it the Philly game? I don't know, but Heineke had a run and slide first down. I mean, the whole defense is going crazy. Right. You know, they yeah. watch, they sitting on the sideline watching number four. You know, you hear them yeah. over, oh, got the ball, four, we go, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things. It's exciting. You know, it's, Sam Howell got that same thing, you know, with him. So, I think you're absolutely yeah. right about that, the arm strength being the biggest different, uh, different aspect of their game, especially given the fact that Sam Howell threw that one big 60-yard bomb to Terry McLaurin, that being the longest pass air yards Washington has completed since 2016, uh, which kind of shows you where the difference is there. But overall, I think their play style is very, very similar. And I thought this was fascinating because Orange Crush provided the stats of college and the pros. I won't read it all, but the one that really stuck out to me was the actual completions, right? Sam Howell, 11 of 19, 57% completion percentage, 169 yards, one touchdown and one interception. In Taylor Heineke's first game with the Commanders, he had 12 completions on 19 uh, attempts, 63% completion percentage, 137 yards and one touchdown. It is eerily, eerily similar to the two first games for both of these guys. And I think that that is as a grand scheme macro thing, looking at it, I think that they are very similar. But like Coach, like you said, the one big differential is the arm strength. And that's yeah. what we kind of talked about. We've said this all offseason, that Sam Howell was like the the child uh, if Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke had a baby. You know, because yeah. that's he's yeah. literally the uh, the difference between like the both of them. perfect mixture yeah, of both he of really them. really is. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, I agree with that. Yeah. And the, I think the main – they're very – so. I think that they have they're, – they're, perfect for each other like to be the backup like you won't have to change the offense if anything happens uh yeah. i think that's probably why they get along i think probably the big difference i know arm arm talent uh sam Howell's probably just more talent sam Howell's been in the spotlight since he was in high school sam Howell was a top recruit there's a funny story of mac brown going down to try to recruit sam Howell and sam Howell kicking him out of his house oh, before wow. he ended up committing north carolina wow. and then uh yeah he ended up committing once some things changed around but uh taylor heineke of course the Old, where, where did he go again? I don't even remember. Was old it Dominion? Old Dominion? Oh, yeah, yeah, Old Dominion. Yeah, it's small, smaller school. Uh, was undrafted, came to the league, took him a while to kind of catch on. And it, it's just those kind of differences. It's interesting how that both of those roads to the NFL built dogs a different way, but they're still like the same kind of like, you know. Yeah. And they got to get up. They're going to be tough. And especially for Sam Howell, all that talent left his before his senior year. So they had to adjust. The entire Probably hit offense. him with a whole lot of reality, man, right? And you the don't unfortunate have four NFL players. Yeah, and the unfortunate part positions. of that, it kind of like ruined his draft stock because he was running constantly and wasn't looking to throw because of how was, bad yeah. everything was. Yeah. Which is unfortunate because I think I feel like that's the one difference where Taylor didn't have to switch up his system like Sam did his senior year. I would say that's another but, difference. Hey, that ended up being a good thing though for Sam, I think, because that's part of the reason why I think Sam Howell can be successful here is the fact that he can use his legs like that and he's smart when he runs and he knows when to take off he's got a good feel in the pocket so. and he can run through Cowboys defenders get into the end zone he can tra- yes. Trayvon yes. Diggs in the end zone yeah, and I think I'll that's that I think that goes to coach Curl's point about him and Taylor kind of having the same yeah. moxie about them where they get everybody else riled up you see your quarterback running through two guys at the goal line you get hyped up about oh, that. yeah yeah you ready to go out there and smash somebody now <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're absolutely right coaches next question is from jeff miles our discord chat server do the new firings of offensive coordinators such as greg roman alter our oc search uh oh no nah, i don't think so i mean 
you know, because I I, I I think they already got who they really want in mind. You know, they're not gonna gonna tell us much. You know, Riverboat Ron. You know, he don't like to show he don't like to show his hand too much. But I know it probably won't be who I want. But you know. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. And for me, I think it does change things, especially like somebody like Byron Leftwich. Because I, I originally, when this all came about, when they first let go of Scott Turner, I was like, I want Byron. You know, yeah. that's my guy because he attacks downfield. And that's one of the things I said in here on this show was I wanted to. OC- By the way, apparently they were going to fire him after the bye week midseason, but yeah. then they're because he under under succeeded this year which is kind of crazy because i thought that byron would leave because they fired todd bowles i didn't think that todd bowles would be the one firing byron apparently the offensive players were like what the hell are you doing byron that's kind of crazy to be honest um so i do think it alters things because we have to at least talk to them i think they and interviewing them would be in the slightest is something smart to be able to do especially somebody like greg roman that's an opinion you want to hear from and that's somebody that could really give you insight into your running game. Say, all right, Greg, if we were to bring you on as OC, how would you be able to fix our running game? You know, I want to hear what he has to say in that capacity. You know, I think that's valuable. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't know if it necessarily changes things. I mean, maybe they they will set something up, but I I think it was kind of known that Greg Roman was going to be out because he was listed as an option. As soon as we fired Scott Turner, they were talking about a possibility. I heard rumblings of Greg Roman, Eric Biennemi. And so, I mean, we'll see, but you got to, I think they would want to talk to him at least. You know, have to. Now, this next question, coach, I got for you. This one is from Meast. Other than OC, what position on the coaching staff do you think we need to change? <laughs> don't call out one of Cam's coaches. <laughs> I was never. <laughs> no, Chris. Hey, I don't know. Who, you know, uh, it would probably be whoever's uh, coaching our, our extra point kicker and field goal kicker. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever making those decisions, maybe. I you heard know, he brought in Dallas's uh, kicking special teams coordinator or whatever. That's what it feels I'm just like. kidding. What did they do? Miss four or five field goals? Yeah. Make extra points? Jesus Christ. That was crazy, wasn't it? Straight yeah. four extra points. And, like, I, I understood what people said when Dak was, like, cuss, cussing, say, go for two, you know, or whatever. And, like, I get it. But at the same breath, man, like, calm down a little bit, all right? Yeah. Uh, for Honestly, I don't really know if we should make any changes, to be perfectly honest. I think the one glaring one that would probably need to be changed, I think, would be tight end, if anything. It's tight end. Because I think the defensive line showed out this year. I think the linebackers did more than expected. I think defensive the DBs, staff is perfect. Yeah, the DBs like. did it excellent, obviously, yeah. and they really held everything together. Offensive line Matchco, I think, has deserved the confidence and right. the respect to be able to give him the benefit of the doubt to say, if you don't have an injured offensive line, I think you're a very good coach, and I'm sure that he is, and that's why I think that he should stay. So if anyone won Castillo, which is unfortunate, because I, I liked Juan Castillo. When I saw him at training camp, seeing him in those uh, swishy pants, you know, it was crazy seeing him out there in those ninety yeah. degree weather wearing pants. It is on, it, on, a, on a tight end. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no no no, you're good. Go ahead. Hey, on a tight end though, I I, I don't know. I I would not coach, but maybe adding some more talent. You yeah. Know, mm. Logan Thomas, you know, is, he is who he is. Logan, I mean, right. shit, he, he the old man out there. <laughs> yeah. No, no disrespect on him, but I mean that's who he is. You know, he's not getting any younger and stuff. We can still use him, but. We need either some of them young guys to step up or bring somebody in that will. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, which is weird too, because like this offseason, all we were talking about, like all everybody who came onto the show during training camp, they're like, these tight ends are impressive. These young tight ends are very good. They're gonna be a big role this year. Uh Cole Turner's tearing it up. Uh Armani Rogers is tearing it up, like all these people. And we got zilch out of them. We got nothing. So I don't know whether – I mean, I know Logan's got an excuse, man. It takes like two years to recover from that injury. Uh, but it's interesting. I don't know. I wonder what the change was. Maybe they're just young guys and they peaked they, too early in the season. I one don't know. thing that we have to remember is that going into the season, obviously Logan was injured. Then John Bates got injured late in preseason. Yeah. He didn't really start out in the year. Cole Turner obviously – was banged up himself and then and his was, role was gonna just be like a strict like right. basically a slot wide receiver. Right. Uh, and then right. um Armari Rogers was doing great in the meantime yeah, up until that point and that's then true. disappeared once Logan yeah. and everyone else got back. Um which is the unfortunate because Armari Rogers was doing a fantastic job. Yeah. But was. now this next question is from Tim Towner. This year Washington played keep away in most games and frequently won by time of possession battle. With that in mind, will any of these four games this weekend be won by a team that does not win time of possession? And which team will have the tar- the largest time of possession advantage in any of the four games? Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Uh, 
Wow. Tim, you got us at a loss for words because, to be honest, dude, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I can't stand the playoffs if we're not in it. I'm not a better, like, I don't sports gamble and stuff like that. So, like, I'm not emotionally invested into these games. You know, I'm more, like, kind of just pissed off that we aren't there and we should be, you know? I could, yeah, I could, I could see, like, the Chiefs versus Jaguars. I could see the Chiefs putting up points in a flash when they have the ball. Uh, and I mean, cause they're just, they're Kansas city and it's Patrick Mahomes. And I mean, the Jaguars are good. They, they did a fantastic job. That was incredible, but they're still a young team. I mean, they're, they're still kind of learning. So I could see maybe, maybe the chiefs, maybe they don't have the highest time of possession, but it's because they're scoring so goddamn quick. I will say in the NFC, the key to beating the Eagles is time of possession. You saw that we wrote that formula. We had that out there. We posted it on the board. Everybody who saw that, I mean, they couldn't emulate it, but you know, um, and, uh, that's the key to beating the Eagles. So if the Giants want to do that, they got to give them a heavy dose of Saquon Barkley. Heavy dose. Yeah, that, that's yeah. what I was trying – when you asked the question, that's what I was looking at. I'm trying to figure out whose running game is just going to be able to pound and right. pound and pound and pound. And New York is probably the only one closest. I'll say true. the yeah. one that most likely will win the time of possession battle and have the longest time of possession battle over the other one is probably the 49ers and Cowboys. When we saw in Week 18 against Dallas, Jonathan Williams and company, Jarrett Patterson, they did pretty well on the ground. Yeah, they did. And that was given with a beat-up offensive line, and we had Chris Paul starting and stuff. And so going against the 49ers, I could see them and Brock Purdy. Trent Williams is going to knock Michael Parsons on his ass? Right. I, I could see them completely dominating the time of possession in that aspect. But who could win like in the least amount of time of possession? I'd probably say it's going to be like the Bills or Bengals, where it's kind of like just an absolute shootout kind of thing i'm like, so pumped for that game that game's gonna be so good i'm i'm such a joe burrow stand that guy's just so cool so it's josh allen they're both cool as shit oh yeah josh josh is my dude I ain't they're so him, good he's, yeah. he's a right dude, like i feel like me and joe joe burrow would probably be best friends smoking cigars together and stuff like, i don't know hey, if you'd accept it coach we're about to wrap up this episode uh sir kind of wanted to ask you a question though about cam i know he uh kind of finished the season injured how's he feeling He's good, man. He's, he's well, you know, he don't like missing games, but he's good. He's focused on on his body and healings so he can, you know, he can come back, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of people only hear about the injuries they talk about, you know, and those are the yeah. ones that keep him from the game. But, you know, he, he's he's played a little injured all year for the last his first three years in NFL mm -hmm. <laughs> look at it people didn't know but he's focusing really this this summer uh, chilling relaxing getting his body right so when OTAs come he wants to hit it as as hard as he ever did good that's what I like to hear yeah, and then be so I know that when Cam came here Landon Collins kind of took him under his wing and you know, brought him over for Thanksgiving and stuff like that. Um, did Cam kind of have that relationship with Derek Forrest? Because obviously, those two, two of the highest-rated safeties in the NFL this season, um, obviously came out of nowhere, and they worked really well together. Do they? Are they like good friends? You know, uh, I don't know if, if they've been to each other's house, but yeah, I mean, because when I, when I go to the game, you know, if I if I come to a game and we after the game we go in the, in the parking lot, that's usually who it is. It's me, Cam. Derek Force and his pops and Jeremy Reeves and his pops, you know, that's, Oh, that's right. awesome, dude. That's all oh, yeah. the crew. You know what I'm saying? Hey, that, that's going to be three Pro Bowlers. That's going to be three Pro Bowlers right there. Right. Yeah. yeah. I had planned, I had planned on going to the Pro Bowl, you know, to support my dude Reeves. And he yeah. already told me, he said, you know, pops is going to be here. So if you come, you know, you know, it's just, it's just, just a little thing, you know, you know, me and the pops, we keep our conversation on Twitter, but out, out of the public sometime, but mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Uh, they, I know they talk, and I know they're good friends. I mean, you just see it yeah. the way they, where they out right. there, you know. But yeah. you know, I, Cam is is quiet, so it would have to be them going to each other's house because Cam don't really go nowhere. You know? right. <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's really cool to hear that uh, all three of you guys are really good, like still friends and meet up after the game. That's really and cool to hear. I know you've said you've said uh, Cam kind of likes kind of like he's the, the underdog mentality kind of laying low and just going out there doing his job, doing a good, good job at it. Do you think this season kind of gave him extra motivation? Cause like he started getting a little bit more national attention. People started paying more attention to him and realized like this kid's God, this kid's so good. Do you think that that kind of gave him a little bit more like, yeah, I know. Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause uh, I know like come, missing two games with the, with the surgery on his, and on then his thumb. Changed the team when he came back. In his, in his head, he was thinking, I'm behind because cameras never miss 
his whole right. life playing football, he's never missing. He always heard that, yeah. you know, if you miss one game, you behind 10 games. If you miss a season, you behind four seasons. So, mm. but when he came out there and it, and it looked like he ain't missed a game. Yeah, yeah. that did boost up his confidence and, and let him know he ready, he ready to handle this. Yeah. I've been trying to tell him for years about Cameron Curl and I'm glad that everyone else is seeing what I saw because it's about dang time. You, no Greg's deals, been, yeah, Greg's been trying to tell him that his entire life. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah. Tell Washington, no more deals. Y'all already got a deal. <laughs> Dude, I think it, that's going to happen um, without yeah, a doubt. Yeah. The, the fact that what Ron Rivera said in his press conference and saying that, you know, we don't want to tip our hand to the agent. It's like, he already tipped it. Bro. Yeah, he already, <laughs> yeah, right. They know. Somebody hey, tell Ron to stop I'm, playing poker because uh... Ron messed up. Uh, when he did that uh, that video when he was talking about when he uh, signed his contract with the Chicago Bears, and mm. one of the part of his deal was that his parents got flown to every home game, hotel accommodations, and ride. That's all I want. Throw it in the <laughs> I already know about it, Ron. You already know about it. <laughs> he knows what's yeah. up. Yeah, he, he knows. He knows how that goes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure they'd be able to make that happen for you, Coach. I feel like that'd be something easy to do. Yeah. Coach, I can't thank you enough for joining us, as always, sir. Um, this has been an awesome episode, as always. All right, everybody, that's going to wrap us up. I'm Kyle. And, uh, you know, I'm old dad, I think. I don't know who I am right <laughs> Coach Curl. And until next time, everybody, be, sa- be safe. Uh, make sure you don't bet a whole lot of money. Don't be like that one guy. Who bet a million dollars to win eleven thousand uh, dollars, and then and still up eleven k, baby? Woo! <laughs> I mean, just ridiculous. And he lost all that money. I mean, just stupid. Don't be like that guy. So be bad. smart, because a lot of my friends are gambling. I'm like, dude, you guys need to chill out. Like, Cracky the other day hit me up. He was like, "Yeah, dude, I'm like, I I lost so bad yesterday. Now I'm betting on the Australian Open. I had to get up and positive. Like, no, now that's yeah. the problem, bud. You hear that? We're we're lucky. We're poor. I would waste all of our money <laughs> on gambling. Uh, all right, everybody. Yeah, I, don't, I don't I don't gamble because I want to fight when I lose money. I want my money back. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I would. <laughs> I, want my I would money be going back. to brokers and stuff. They'd be like, "This is the mob. You don't <laughs> get money back." Like, oh. All right, everybody. We'll see you on Monday. Have a good week. And Washington football. Woo! Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Kyle. I just wanted to say thank you so much for watching. And if you liked what you saw, make sure you hit the subscribe button and the notification bell. That way, you get notified when anything new is uploaded to the channel. Also, we just launched theburgundyzone.com. You can go there and find all of our latest news, articles, and the latest episodes that are uploaded. Again, we also have the Discord chat server, where all of our VIP folks are in, like Andy Burroughs, Scott Hartley, Sergio Martin is in there as well. Don't miss out on the Discord chat server. Go and check that out. Until next time, everybody, Washington football. Woo!